a herd of 2,000 pigs among them. We find as Jesus, he, he got to the side of the lake, this isn't working, uh, he, he got to the side of the lake, he's not only entering what would be considered an unclean area, but he's also being met by someone with an impure spirit and one that would live among the tombs. More unclean, impure things that Jesus is actively going, seeking out, and, and coming, and they're coming to him. This person with an impure spirit and in tombs. It, if Jesus would touch something dead, it was supposed to be a impurity that would transfer to Jesus or some Israelite. This man was contaminated not only by the impure spirit, but by the place in which he lived. The people and the people of the city were really fearful of him. They cast him out of the, the city and into the tombs. Whether it was out of compassion or out of fear, we don't know, but they would try to bind him. Perhaps it was out of compassion so he wouldn't cut himself. Perhaps it was out of fear so they could keep him away. But they continually tried to subdue, to control him. But no one could. The impure spirit was, was too strong. It had too big a grip on the man and, and no one control him. The picture in mind here is someone attempting to like tame a wild animal. They were treating this man like a wild animal, not as a person. And this, this whole set, this whole setup of, uh, that's been pictured to us is an image of what God desires to do here within the world. That he wants to enter into those places where people think are perhaps lost. Those impure spaces to those impure people, to those people that perhaps can't be controlled or, or somehow seem to be uh, controlled by, by an impure spirit. And he wants to enter into that space bringing his holy presence, bringing his purity to bring someone peace within their life. So Jesus approaches this community and all other communities wherever healing is needed, wherever the unholy must be expelled. So this man comes to Jesus and Jesus begins engaging with the impure spirit. Go to verse 9. Next slide, please. Jesus asked this impure spirit, what is your name? All throughout Scripture, we find out that names are important. Names uh, are like the reality of a given situation. God will often change someone's name to match what the current reality is for that individual. We, 
look back into the Old Testament, Abram was renamed Abraham because he was going to be the father of many nations. His wife Sarai was also given a new name because she was the mother of many nations. She was given Sarah. Jacob, the one who was born with the name meaning deceiver, the Lord changed his name after he struggled with God. There's a, a piece of Scripture that talks about Jacob wrestling with God. And God changed his name to be Israel because he wrestled or struggled with God and he overcame. So here in this situation, Jesus by asking the demon, what is your name, is asking the man or the demon to proclaim that by which he is bound. He is needing to confess that which he is struggling with, that which is within him. And what we find is the, the man is enslaved by an army of evil. The army of evil that's in this man is almost a picture of the army of evil that had come over this whole region. For it was the legions of soldiers in the Roman army that had marched into the whole area that we would call Israel. Even greater than that, from Britain to Egypt and from Spain all the way over uh, into the Jordan. And everyone who is standing in their way would be crushed by the legion of sol soldiers. Everyone standing in their way would be sent to the tombs. The enemy coming to destroy. It's N.T. Wright that says most people uh, outside of tax collectors or politicians, those that looked to gain from the Roman rule, saw the legions of the Roman army as Satan itself. Now years later, Jesus faces off with this legion of Satan. A symbol, perhaps, of the Roman occupation, but it's the real occupation within this man. All throughout Scripture, we, we hear about what the, the purpose of the enemy is. Several passages, if we go to John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then again in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says these words. Next slide, please. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's what this legion of demons is looking to do. Their purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Their purpose is to, to devour and lay waste. And they have been devouring and lay wa laying waste to this man's life for years. And that army of demons continues to want to fulfill that end, and so they begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to get into them. And Jesus gave them permission 
And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. The impure spirits fulfilled their purpose not by destroying the man, but by being sent into the pigs and destroying the pigs. If you think about that, the sheer number of the pigs, 2,000 in number, it shows us the sheer scale of the torment that that man was dealing with having an army of demons inside him. Once again, as, as it's happened all throughout the book of Mark, the people don't really have a category for what Jesus had just done. They can, can see that the occupation of the evil within the man had stopped. But for the people, it perhaps didn't give them the peace that maybe they had imagined. Maybe they had at some point wished that this man would not be controlled by demons, that this man would not be living among the tombs, that this man could, could somehow be in his right mind. And, and yet what happened, when it actually took place, the people become frightened. The people... They don't understand. No one could contain the man. No one, no one could bind the man. And yet, here, this outsider comes here and expels the spirit, the impure spirit in those people. Think about the difference in this passage between the man and the community. The people were afraid and wanted Jesus to leave the region. Mark chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave. People want Jesus to leave. They don't want to see him. They don't want to experience uh, any more of what he has to offer. And yet the man, in verse 19 wants to go with Jesus. He wants to stay close to Jesus' presence. And it's interesting when we think about these two requests, the people wanting Jesus to leave, the man wanting to go with Jesus. We often make requests of God on perhaps a daily basis. Requests of God that, that go to Him as prayers. And sometimes we wonder why, why are not uh, all of our prayers maybe answered in the timeline that we desire? And I wonder, in this passage, it would seem to be that Jesus' answer to the request of the people is possibly the worst thing that they could have asked for. Because what happens is Jesus leaves the area of the Gerizines and never returns. At least in the book of Mark, he never returns. He grants the request of the people to, to go away. An answer to perhaps their prayer, but an answer 
that could be detrimental for their life. And yet for the other man, the man who has been enlivened by the Spirit, the man who desires to follow Jesus, he says no. The man who has been enlivened by the work of Christ and and has this burning desire to follow Jesus and where Jesus was going to go, he says no. But Jesus says something else. He says, you can't come with me, but I need you to go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. So far through the book of Mark, when Jesus enacts a miracle, when, when Jesus uh, frees someone from an impure spirit, he says, don't tell anybody. I don't have these passages up there, but in Mark 1.44, Mark 3.12, Mark 5.43, and then later on in this uh, Mark 7:36, Mark 8:26, Jesus heals people and he says, "Don't go tell anybody." And this is the only time within the book of Mark where he says, "Go tell people what the Lord has done for you." It's a breaking of the narrative of silence from be quiet to go tell. What this man becomes is really the first missionary to the Gentiles. We call Paul a missionary to the Gentiles, but there was one that went before him that was this man who was supposed to go among the Decapolis, those ten cities, that region, and tell them how much the Lord has done and the mercy that the Lord had given them. The man was sent on a task not to to follow Jesus, Jesus and remain close to his presence, but to go out to his neighbors, to go out to his countrymen, to go out to his, his uh, townspeople, and to create an interest in the Savior and an interest in the healing and peace that the Lord has for them. So that all, all in this region, though Jesus left, all of them would come to know the peace that this man had experienced. That's God's call for us as well. He says to us, go. Go into your neighborhoods. Go into your workplaces. Go into the the places that you frequent within life and tell them what the Lord has done in your life. Tell them the the peace that you began experiencing when the Lord entered your life and freed you from from sin. Tell them of of the peace that you were given when your chains were, were broken from your body that sin which, which desires to entangle and, and keep us uh, at its mercy was taken away through the blood of Christ. Not by our own doing, but by His grace. That's the opportunity that we have every Wednesday night. 
when we engage with kids, preschool through eighth grade, but also when we engage with people as we sit down and eat with them, to hear how the Lord is working in their life, to share how the Lord is working in our own, that all may come to know the peace of Christ within their life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you, in response to our prayers and in response to our requests, that you say no sometimes. Because you have, you have a different purpose in mind, something more grand, something more great, something that will have larger kingdom impact than we can imagine. Lord, we pray for the impact that you have through our church. We pray for each of those students that, that gather on Wednesday night and those, those parents that drop them off. May your word dwell richly within those students that they may hear of your grace, hear of your mercy, and hear of your peace. That by going home to their parents, their parents may hear what the Lord is doing in their life. That all of our hearts may be changed and formed into the image of Christ. That we all may experience peace that passes all understanding. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.